Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hello and welcome to Excellence Expected. My name is Mark Asquith. This week is a little different. We are going to talk about three very interesting things. However, I'm joined by a guest who's a very, very good friend and almost family to me, as I see him probably more than I see anyone else in the entire world. It's my business partner and, as I say, extremely good friend and mentor, Mr. Donald Gent. Welcome. Hi. Hello. So, we're sat in DMSQD studio as we speak. It is Sunday morning and, as I said, this episode is a little bit different. So... Today, what we're going to talk about is things that have affected DMSQD in the past and three specific things that we have found to be very, very valuable for us as we grew and that I have no doubt will be very valuable to anyone out there who is struggling with similar issues of growth. So before we get into that, Don, I know you. Tell me about you for the listeners out there that have no idea who you are. Wow. Okay, well, uh, background is business management, um, printing, and design. Uh, went to London College of Printing, did my stuff down there, and have worked for smaller companies, small businesses, and also worked for very large corporates also work for local authority. Uh, must say that working for small businesses is my favourite. Why is it your favourite then? I know it's your favourite and I know why it's your favourite, but the guys <laughs> out there, why, why is it your favourite? <laughs> because it's great working with guys who think uh, the same as you. Uh, it's great having an influence on what happens to your business and building something that's interesting, the building something, because it's not, hey, we've got a police car. That's interesting. Well, come to arrest me. Oh, I've finally found you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so building something's really interesting, because that's the journey that we've been on together. It's something that we've done for the last, what is it now, four or five years? Yeah, four or five years. I think it's great having an idea in your head and then transforming it into something tangible and making money, of course, That's and, and enjoying doing it and having the fun. All of those things are things that we do every day and it's interesting for listeners out there who know DMSQD and who know perhaps some of the other guys in the business and haven't met Don, it's interesting to know that Don was really the catalyst for the business inception. In probably 2009, it was your idea to actually pull together me, you and Mark Wilmot, wasn't it? That was the first thing that we it said. It was because we were all operating independently and um, I just had this thought that it's the old two past two equals five, the synergy syndrome. And we had complementing skills. And I thought putting us all together would build something that we didn't have as individuals. And it took a while, didn't it? It, it wasn't an, an overnight thing. And it was one of the things that we're going to come on to later is that idea that it doesn't matter when you have the idea, you don't have to implement it straight away as long as you're open to the idea you'll find somehow that it comes to fruition some way and somehow. And that was the case with us. It didn't happen overnight, did it? It was slow. No, it didn't it was... happen overnight. But we had the initial 
chat and the initial vision that we thought, well, we could make a go of this. But because we had our independent businesses, we still had to earn a living and we kept those going. Um, but gradually the, the new company started to take over because we were getting more and more work and it needed more and more time. And so we devoted more time and energy to that. And that's how it gradually grew. But we didn't put a time frame on it. It was really our clients and the market that pushed us forward on it. And, you know, randomly, as I think back about it, it's one of those situations where he sort of goes against every business rule that is ever spoken, which is there was no plan. <laughs> there was no real <laughs> broad vision, except for we know we can make more money and we can serve people better. So how do we do that? But there was nothing in terms of a physical business plan for the first year, was there? It was just, just serving the market. Well, that's right. I, I mean, I did scribble it down in a notebook. As you know, I keep copious notebooks. And I did scribble down some ideas in that. And I did scribble down a basic financial plan. Um, but it was really a self-financing plan. We didn't need to go out and get any money. What we did is we took our existing clients and offered um, a broader service and um, with our skills, we were able to put that together. And we fortunately got more and more work. And here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sat in our studio talking about the yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm just admiring your T-shirt with Batman on it. It's there. a Batman T-shirt today. I've just today. ordered another Batman tie. <clears throat> Batman, you have more ties than I have meals. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so just talking about that that very loose business plan then it's something we've got three things that we mentioned talking about in the pre-interview chat and the things that are seemingly very important to us and how we conduct our business and they're not really they're not really that tangible they're not something that you can put down and you can say right we're going to achieve this by then but they are more mindsets aren't they so the first one that we're going to come on to is something that we really started out with and that you pioneered for DMSQD early on and that's having the wider vision. It's not about what am I doing today and tomorrow in my, in, in our instance, in my business or in Mark's business. It's about what else can we do? What else is out there? What's that wider picture? So that, as we see clients more and more, it's sometimes something that they don't perhaps see that wider vision, do they? Because they're so busy doing what they do. That's right. I think, uh, I think you can get booked down in day-to-day -day activity and you're so keen to get things right for your client you sometimes i won't say you lose your way but sometimes you forget where you're going and what you're trying to achieve and i think if you just <clears throat> jointly have a good idea of what you're trying to achieve uh, but it doesn't really have to be written down it could be a formal business plan but it doesn't have to be it could just be a general discussion and as you mentioned having a mindset that says we should all be going in this general direction and there may be little paths off left and right but on the whole you'd all head in the same way and i think that's important for anybody one of the things that we did early on was say where we wanted to be in three to five years not only in terms of revenue and turnover but in terms of the type of work we were doing the type of clients we were working with the kind of projects that we were putting out so we, we had a vision albeit a very broad vision and i think for listeners out there who are thinking well i've always been taught to plan for business of, of course you need to plan the financials you've got to plan your cash flow you need to plan your revenue you need to plan your growth strategy 
But actually, if you've got a vision to to be working on a certain type of project, opening your mind to that and seeing at any one time, if an opportunity lands on your doorstep, being able to assess that on its own merits and say, where does that fit into my overall plan? Does it take me one step closer to working with these kind of guys or working on this kind of project? And assessing that single project, it can take you one step closer, can't it? As opposed to having a very rigid path of trying to get there and sticking to that path regardless of whether it's right or wrong. I think you're right. And I think you mentioned the word opportunity there. Uh, you have to keep your mind open and look for opportunities. And a lot of successful businesses are built on exploiting opportunities that present themselves. Uh in effect, you're reacting to market forces, and you can't ignore that. Um, you, it's dangerous, I think, to just close your mind and get tunnel vision and just say, well, I like doing this. This is what I'm going to do. Um, in business, it's not really about that. It's really about satisfying what the client wants, and you've got to look at what they want, and you've got to find ways of satisfying them. And that means look at the opportunities that are there, look at the market, keep people happy, but at the same time do it in such a way that you're happy and you're making money out of it. You've got to offer the good value all the time. And that's the thing, the value side of things sometimes tough because you, you're kind of working on, um, you're sometimes working on projects. In fact, <laughs> what I was going to say then is you're sometimes working on projects where you always over-deliver, but actually the more I think about it, you actually over-deliver on everything. I think we as a business, always strive to give the, the very, very best, not only in terms of the output, but in terms of the experience and everything to do with DMSQD. It's all about giving the best of the best of the best. And regardless of the budget, you will always give 120, 150% instead of the 100% that they're paying for. And it's just, it's just the way that we do business and that a lot of people do business because you always want to give the best value. And it's sometimes tough to sit back and say, well, actually, we were talking about it earlier. You know, what's the value of that job and what are we going to do for it? And actually, when you look at it, the wider, again, back to that wider vision. Well, look, if we if we deliver over and above on that project, it could lead to this and it could lead to this and it could lead to this. So it's less, within reason, it's less about that budget and it's more about giving the best service, isn't it? It is. And the the... I think what you're looking to do with, with clients is all the time, yes, over-deliver, but you want to build a long-term relationship with them. And if their businesses grow, your business is going to grow because they recognize the effort that you've made and the effort that you've put in to helping them. And I think that uh, is its own reward. It comes back to you at a later date. And yeah, there's going to be a few clients that don't appreciate that and just use you. But they soon um, fall by the wayside, shall we say. And what you can do is you can concentrate on those people that are equal partners with you, that appreciate what you're trying to do. And that's a good point, actually, the equal partners. That's something that I remember we were having a, a time with a client who was taking um, a heck of a lot of our resource internally and not ever wanting to invest anything in that resource, but expected over and above, not only in terms of deliverables, but in terms of service. So for example, texting at Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And, you know, we've, we've all been through that. And I remember a quote that you mentioned to me, which was, you know, we need to just tell that client that this is not a master servant relationship. It's a partnership. And if they can't respect that, then we're not right to work together. And that that's probably three years ago, but it stuck with me. And that's, 
that's vital. Well, yeah, and we do that subconsciously now, don't we? We don't actually say, oh, <clears throat> this client is uh, a pain in a bum. What we say is he's taking our resources and drain is a drain on our resources. And we, like everybody else, we all work within constraints and we have to uh, look at how best to use our resources. And one of those is looking at the clients who respect that and, and reciprocate. Reciprocation is interesting because we've seen it as we have started to work with customers who are used to working with our kind of business. They actually do give mutual respect. So I can think off the top of my head, 10, 15 different clients with whom it's a pleasure to work where maybe three, four years ago, you were working with clients who were, they were just there for a product. They were there to give you some money and get something back. Whereas now, because of this kind of, this wider vision and this mindset, we've subconsciously, <clears throat> excuse me, been able to move into working with clients that understand what we can do and that give the respect back and actually give us the room to work, which is it's something that you don't actually tangibly make a change towards that it's just through the mindset isn't it it's just through it assessing is through, it is through the mindset and it's through understanding your client's business uh, i love going to see clients and saying how's business or what are you doing where are you going and is it working for you and what's not working and that's before we actually get on to the services and products that we provide and i think that's that's important that you understand your clients and what they need well it's 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 the same old thing as, as is in any kind of relationship, the listening. It's not just going and say, we're going to build a website or we're going to brand this business or we're going to do this campaign. It is, it's back to asking the questions and actually listening to the questions. We spoke to um, a coach and a mentor a few weeks ago who, who was working with us on various things internally. And one of the things that she mentioned was the difference between hearing and listening. And it's so obvious when you think about it, but actually... We've all got our heads down so much that sometimes it's difficult to actually listen. We just hear. So that your approach has always been much more methodical than mine. I go in and because I was um, a lot younger when we started, it was steaming and do the job and deliver the best job, but actually not sometimes not consider the wider picture. And what you're saying there is that 80% of what we do is probably just listening, isn't it? It is. And it, we listen because unless you deliver the right service and the right product, it's just not going to work for the client. And we build our reputation on how we provide our service and how it affects the client's business. And I think that's why it's important to listen to them and then interpret what they need and using our skills to, to show them how they can move forward. Of course, they don't always listen. We, we all know that. But we, we do try and just say, this is uh, our advice. This is our experience. This is what happens. Uh, or we could present them with, uh, well, this, if you follow this route, this is what might happen. And if you follow that route, that's what might happen. And you let them make the choice. It's becoming a trusted partner, isn't it? We put that, I think I put that into uh, a document earlier this week that we both looked at and it was talking about how we can benefit a business and help a business along. And it was, it was the trusted partner. It wasn't sales. It wasn't, we can, you know, we can sell you this, we can sell you that. It was actually, we're a trusted partner and we will help you sell more. We will give you more in return for what you put into us. Yeah. And yeah. It's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. So having a wider vision, something that's quite difficult at times because we're all packed out and we're all busy and 
if everyone has their sort of head down doing their own little job within a business, you can't sometimes get outside of that, can you? So as a business owner, you've got to step back and step away from that and say, well, look, where does this need to be in five years or in three years or in a year's time? Yeah, you're saying, what would I like to see? And if you have a good idea of what you would like to see, um, I remember reading a book, oh, a thousand years ago now, and it was, the title went along the lines of um, Think Yourself Rich. And at the time, I didn't know two homies to rub together. And I read this book and I kept thinking, well, it's not telling me how to get rich. It's not telling me this. It's not telling me that. And it doesn't give any specific details. But over the years, I gradually realized that it was a mindset. It was, it was saying... Look on the positive side. You're going to get what you want. If you have a vague, even if it's the vaguest idea of where you want to go, if you've got a vague idea of where you want to go, just go for it. You know, there's nothing stopping you uh, going forward on that and taking that wider vision and that wider view, um, I think is important. And in fact, I was reading a book the other day and the... I'm not a religious man, but the book was saying there's a God inside everybody. And if you follow that thought of having a bit of the cosmos inside you, there's nothing to stop you achieving whatever you want to achieve. I love that. I think that's perfect. That's really interesting. It's something that a lot of people don't believe in themselves because for whatever reason, whether it's a physical impairment, whether it's an upbringing, whether it's a situation that they've got themselves into. And you're right, what you're saying, it, it, it's a lot of people want that template, that guide to achieving success based on what other people have done. And there is no two paths to success that are the same, but it, the mindset is is wildly important. Opening your mind to being, being more susceptible to opportunity and to actually being able to say, well, look, that's a glass half full, not a glass half empty. And uh, now you've said that about that book, it must explain why you've got such a placid demeanour. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you ruffled in all the years I've known you. So maybe I should get a copy of that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, the other books that I like reading. They're all about Zen and Zen thought. And uh, they have the uh, the old yin yang, you know. For every negative, there's a positive, and I think that's just a philosophy on life that I've developed over the years. I found that more useful than losing my rag and stomping around and jumping up and down and getting early heart uh, heart attacks. <laughs> and Don is the healthiest man we know, thanks to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So have a wider vision. So if anyone that's sat out there wondering where their business will be in the next three, five, ten years and kind of thinking to themselves, well, look, I've had a bad couple of years, especially with the economic bite, which we're thankfully coming out of uh, now. Just have that wider vision and just be more open to ideas and, and see where you want to be. And that moves us on to the next thing that we we're going to talk about, which is for a lot of people, that's actually out of their comfort zone. That's the second thing is move outside of your comfort zone and, and work in the realm of discomfort for a while. I, I, I meant to tell you this last week at work, actually, but I listened to um, a podcast from John Lee Dumas and it was an interview, I think, with Nick Reese, And he was saying that he has a cold shower mentality. So what he does is every morning he has a cold shower and he 
he uses this as a way to motivate himself because it's uncomfortable, but it's only uncomfortable for a while. And if he can get over that, it puts him in the mindset for the day. He's done something positive. He's overcome, overcome something that is a little bit uncomfortable and he can move forward from that. Now that's a bit extreme for me, but the idea is there where you move outside of the comfort zone and you push yourself into territory that you're not familiar with. And I would say that's served us at DMSQD quite well. Although sometimes you perhaps don't feel like you're outside of your comfort zone. So that, is that is that something that you've done throughout your life or is it something that's recent or is it another catalyst from the book? Well, it's, it's something I've done all my life because... Um I do love history, and when you mentioned about this guy having a cold shower, it reminded me that the Duke of Wellington used to have a cold bath every morning for exactly the same reason, that he was either too skint, but I don't think he was to have a hot bath, but I think he had a cold bath because he was trying to get out of his comfort zone, and he cleared his mind, and I think moving outside of your comfort zone is... It's important because you get in a rut and all ruts lead to the same place, which is a dead end. So you've just got to think, I need to, I need to look at what I'm doing and think, uh, actually, it's going nowhere. This. I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy personally with it. And I think we need to look at alternatives and look at other ways of doing things and moving out of the comfort zone. Everybody likes a comfort zone. We all like to sit down with cozy slippers on and in our pajamas, you know, but sometimes you've got to think, well, no, I, I need more business. I've got to try something I'm not happy with. I've got to do something, you know, maybe go to networking events and maybe you're a shy person. I mean, that's moving out of your comfort zone. But it doesn't have to be big things. It can just start with little things. And uh, uh, But I think it's important that you do that. It's like me when I was young at school. I had a terrible haircut. I'll show you some pictures. I might even put some in the show notes if I have. What do you mean you had a terrible haircut? <laughs> well, that's it. We're finished. <laughs> <laughs> but I had, I had an even worse haircut, believe it or not, back in the day. And uh, this is a really random example, but it took me so long to change that haircut for the reason that I thought people actually cared. I thought if I turned up at school the next day with a different haircut, I would just get berated. And I finally worked up the courage to, to make this change. And I'm talking, I was 16. So, you know, impressions mattered when you're 16. And um, I turned up at school with a new haircut and no one noticed. Well, I think that's actually that, that touches on another thing about moving outside of your comfort zone. You do need a little bit of courage on it. But the most important thing there is that you need to stop thinking about what other people think. Because, you know, everybody has opinions. But it's you would be amazed at how you think what is it you what you think is important may not be important to other people so you've got to do what you're happy with and what you want to do and if it means moving outside of your comfort zone a little bit do it and then just see if it works and then see how people react and you know they're either going to be positive they're going to be negative or they're just not going to take any blind bit of notice in your case they just took no notice um, even the women even the women took no notice <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest challenge for me as a child but no it's it's interesting it's it's something that um i've been reading recently i've reread the four four hour work week by tim ferris and he talks a lot about 
if you're not happy in a job, and it's very much for people that are looking to make themselves more effective, he, he advocates if you're not happy in a job and you need to do something about it, just figure out what's the worst that can happen. And invariably, the worst that can happen is actually not that bad. And it's the same with this, isn't it? When you change something that you are so comfortable with, it's a massive upheaval to you. But actually, if you were to think about what could really happen, what is the worst that can happen if I did this slightly differently and pushed myself a little bit more? A lot of the time, there aren't really any negative consequences. It's only positivity on your part, because as you said, no one else around you actually notices that much. You know, so it's weird. It's bizarre that people, and I think we all do it, do find themselves a little bit lacking in courage in certain areas because, as you said, they don't want to go to a networking event because they're shy or they find themselves in a dead-end job for the next 15 years because they're actually a little bit fearful of not being able to pay the mortgage. And the worst case is they just go back to doing that job. Yeah, but it's not a physical courage that we're talking about here. It's a mental courage. It's just a mental outlook that, and as you say, what's the worst that can happen? And, uh, you know, the, a lot of people have think they have security in a job and would love to start a business. And uh, the problem that they keep telling themselves is that what happens if it fails? What happens if it fails? They seem to forget that they're employed by somebody already. And they have absolutely no control over whether that business is going to fail or not. Whereas if they're doing their own business, they have 100% control over whether the business succeeds or fails. And unless they try it, they'll never know. It's a good way to look at that, actually. It's something that I would, when I was back in employment all those years ago, I don't think I would have had the courage to do that. It took a real... You know, it took a real realisation that, listen, this is not what I want to be doing forever. This is a little bit dull for me. And it, it was that, that that forced me into that kind of mindset of wanting to do something else for myself. But if I was of the mindset in terms of security and I thought, well, I do need that security, that point that you just made there would probably make me start thinking. I would have never, ever, ever concerned myself with the wider business above me. So if I work for Barclays Bank... I would never concern myself with, well, what happens if Barclays goes under? Because I would just assume that it's Barclays. It can't go under, but of course it can. Anything well, can. Well, I work for a local authority and I could have stayed there uh, until retirement age. Um, I didn't for two reasons. One is I looked at the wider issue and noticed that local authorities were being squeezed by government to reduce their costs and the biggest cost they have is labour costs. So sooner or later they were going to start laying people off and that's exactly what's happening now. Um, but the, the, the also the thing that I looked at was I was getting into such a comfort zone, I was getting bored and, and I had no control over what was happening around me. And I'm not a control freak, but I do like to feel that what I do is important to me and and fulfills my inner needs, you know, feeds that little God that's inside me. And that's when I decided, well, I'll just jack it all in and start a business and uh, never look back. I loved every second of it. And of course, the third reason being that you will never, ever retire. <laughs> no, I think retirement is for... It's for people that get bored very quickly, and I do get bored. Sorry. Yeah, retirement is for people who don't mind getting bored, um, but I do 
uh, mind getting bored. I think you've got to keep active. You keep your mind active. And I think it's been proven somewhere if the mind is kept active and the brain cells keep regenerating more, you might live longer. So that might be uh, something for me to look forward to. Well, that's all right then. You'll outlive us all. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. So moving out of the comfort zone, such a a big thing that not, not a lot of people do that often. And it's not something, as you say, it's not about the physical acts a lot of the time. It's around the mindset, just tweaking something, having the confidence to say to someone that is taking all of your time and not giving you anything back, look, this is not working out and let me invest my time in something that is working out for me. You know, that's one example of how you can do that in business. But also it's it's your own personal life. You, you mentioned quite early on in that conversation about everything that we do and everything that we do in business is actually it's to make us happy. It's not for any other reason. It's so that we enjoy what we're doing and we enjoy coming to what other people see as work, but we don't see it as work. We just turn up and we have a good time with it. So you've got to be happy with everything that you're doing. Yeah, you've got to be happy. And if you're happy, it reflects on your you the guys that you work with. You know, it's building a team. And building a team... Um, I think is one of the most important things that you can do in business. Get a team of people that complement each other's skills. Uh, and then as a business, the, the business benefits from that, from that team building and working together as a team. Everyone has to pull in the right direction, don't they? They have to pull together. They have to pull forwards with that wider vision in mind as well. So when you have um, a team of people with a traditional hierarchy, it's sometimes difficult to do that because you've got the management level, you've got the middle management level, excuse me, and you've got the kind of, you know, the worker bees, if you like. And I, I find that quite a disturbing model for a lot of businesses. And we see it quite a lot in our, in our industry where you do have that hierarchical structure and, the disenchantment at ground level, the people that are actually doing the work is rife. And that's something that we've always strived to never have a problem with because we've got a very, very open culture. We've got, you know, there are no segregation. There are no different officers. All the teams sit together. They work together, director or non-director. They have an equal voice in certain things. And really the only things that are left to directors are the real down and dirty business decisions. So it's, and it works, doesn't it? Everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah, it works. That's because we all respect each other and we respect each other's opinions and we respect each other's talents and skills. We may not all agree, but, you know, you're never going to get 100% agreement in any business. And what you can do is, again, sit back and look at it and say, well, it doesn't really matter if we go off on that path or if we fail on that path because overall we're all heading in the same direction. And that leads us on actually to the next thing that we were going to talk about, which is the fact that you have to adapt and you have to you have to keep moving to achieve what you want to achieve. And again, regardless of whether you've got a really solid business plan or whether you've just got the broad strokes of where you want to be, you will never achieve them if you are not adaptable, will you? You have to keep moving. You do. And I think I mentioned that uh, idea to you before that uh, when you get on a bike, you have to keep pedaling. You have to move, otherwise you lose your balance and uh, fall off. And it's the same in business. Um, You need to adapt all the time to your surroundings and you need to keep moving. Otherwise, literally, you'll lose your balance. And if you lose your balance, you lose your work balance, you lose your life balance. And it's important to uh, 
keep going. And that's what business is all about. One of the things that sometimes I guess people find difficult, and you see it with businesses that have, we know a couple of businesses that have failed in the past <clears throat> that we were, you know, we were privy to, we saw them grow and we saw them then sadly fail. And the, the common theme throughout all of those is that there was such a strict business plan in place that the person running the business almost felt like they had to stick to that because if they didn't, they were wrong and they would fail because they deviated from that. However, if they had adapted, if they'd moved and changed with the times, with the market, with the customers, with the demand, with the demands of their own team internally, perhaps they would have survived. And it's that adaptability and the the realisation that you need to keep moving, but not always in the same direction. Sometimes you can switch and you can change and you can even go back and reassess. And for me, that's a really big thing for any business. You've got to just keep your eyes on the prize, but be entirely aware that the route to get to that prize might be totally different from day to day. Absolutely. Uh, and we've seen that in many, you know, you and I have seen it in businesses that we know, but there's much bigger businesses that um, have have gone under because they keep looking inwardly at their internal business plan rather than looking outside of the business and reacting to outside forces. I think it was Richard Branson who uh, famously said he hasn't got a business plan and he has a cause he you know but it's not rigid and it's not it's not cast in stone and i think that's the important thing you have to react all the time to what's about you and you have to be aware of what's about you and then take that on board and uh, but you've got to keep moving uh, otherwise if you don't keep moving you fall into that place that we mentioned before is you get into a rut uh, you've got to keep moving forward. You've got to look at well, everything that affects your business uh, in the, uh, what's the word the economists use, the macro environment. And that's what you need to look at. It's interesting that the environments around us change so much so often. So when we talk about that macro environment, it's easy to see that things that occur in the news or in the business times, in the business press or happen in the city or happen to affect the economy on the whole, it's sometimes easy for a business owner to think, well, that really doesn't affect me. And it might not do that day, that week, that month, but eventually it catches up with all of us. And you have to, as you say, you have to be adaptable. I think if someone asked to see our business plan, we would probably have to we'd probably have to take them three whiteboards and try and get them in the back of a van somewhere and take them over to them because it, it really is that adaptable. And yes, we've got financial statistics and plans and we've got a business plan around the revenue and the growth and the turnover, the type of clientele. But actually, it's very, very adaptable. It's very, very broad, isn't it? And It is. And I mean, if you were to say to me now, where's our business plan? I could show you at least three or four that I've got. And we... we they uh, have specific details in them, but they all generally head in the same direction. And I think it's important for any business owner to look at their business plans and say, well, you know, I use it to raise some money, I use it to start the business, um, but it would be a good idea for them to sit down now and look back at it and say, right, what's changed? And they will probably find that it's the 
outside influences on their business, the market, what they're doing and where they are, that's changing the business plan. And then perhaps if they looked a bit further forward and say, well, okay, what opportunities are coming up? They could then dig out that business plan and revise it. There's nothing wrong with revising a business plan. It is what it is. It's just a plan. Mm. And all plans need to be adapted and changed. I always see um, the business plan that we've always done, and I always see business plans generally, so for excellence expected for anything else that I'm involved in two shots, even though they are sort of hobbyist things to start with, there's no doubt that they've got end goals in mind. And I, I always see business plans as being just a series of waypoints, and however you get to those waypoints, as long as you successfully achieve them, it doesn't matter which route you take. I remember... I was so a talk by um, by Carl Hopkins. You know Carl, um, yeah, and he's, he's a really solid guy, really nice guy, uh, really solid sage businessman who's done very well for himself. And I remember seeing a really inspiring talk by him a few years ago. And as I've got to know him over the course of the last few years, it's it's become it's become really interesting to see how he's stuck to his guns. And what he said at that talk was. I knew that I wanted to be in a certain place and I knew I wanted to achieve certain things. I had no idea at all how I wanted to do them, but I was open and I was adaptable enough that when something presented itself to me, I was able to integrate it into that plan and it got me closer to that next step, to that next waypoint. And I I find that really valuable. So for example, he used the example of, he always wanted to write a book. He had no idea how to do that, but someone approached him with the idea for a column on a website, which in turn opened doors to publishers, which in turn led to him publishing a book. And had he set a very rigid plan of self-publishing or of approaching a publishing house with a specific topic, he might not have achieved that. All, All he said was, I want to write a book and I'm going to open my mind and adapt to any opportunity that comes my way to allow me to do that. And I found that really interesting. It's a really, it feels like a modern way of approaching business planning and it feels it feels risky but then in some ways it feels like it's a little bit more liberating as if you've got more flexibility you can actually change your business on a dime to a degree to react to what the market says or to to react to what customers say so i find that really interesting i think that's a really intriguing concept yeah i think if you have a, uh, even the vaguest idea of where you want to go, you've got to start with one step. And if you start with little steps rather than think, well, how the hell am I going to get there? If you just start with little steps and achieve each little step, it's going to move you in the in the right direction. And all business is fraught with risk. That's what business is all about. But living your life is a risk. So you might as well do it and enjoy it and take a little step at a time. It's half the fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it, yeah. And I think the other the other side of the coin to that as well is uh, we're talking about being adaptable and keeping moving in terms of business opportunities. The big thing that really a lot of people aren't too adaptable to is people. I was talking to, on, on one of the episodes for Excellence Expected, I was talking to, to Louisa Harrison-Walker from Benchmark about recruitment and attracting the right talent into the business. And one thing that struck me off the back of that conversation was it's really about being adaptable to the type of people you need in your organization as well, because people and skills and the marketplace is changing so much, not only in terms of consumers or businesses, but in terms of the talent that you can attract. There are skills out there that 
even from a web perspective, even, you know, someone like me who's in that every single day, I can't quite keep up with everything, but there are people who can because that's what they do. And being adaptable to that kind of thing as well and saying, well, look, I need to attract that kind of talent or that type of person to compliment you or to compliment me. I think that's something that's certainly served us very well. We've seen opportunities in nurturing people and helping them achieve what they want to achieve, which has ultimately benefited everyone. And I think sometimes business owners have got their heads too far into a specific way of thinking around interviewing or attracting talent or making their organization attractive to someone that they might miss opportunities in investing in people. Yep. And that goes back to team team building, doesn't it? You've got to get a team together that is going to help you achieve what you're aiming to do, but utilize people's specific skills and blend them together. It's a mix of blending people together. That's a talent. You know, many people don't have that in business, but it's, it's vital to the success of a business. Um, again, I think, uh, Branson was, I keep going back to Branson, but he's a very successful businessman and he does it by nurturing people and building teams together. He has a big idea of saying, okay, let's start an airline. Probably hasn't got a clue how to do it, but he knows people that do have a clue how to do it. And then he gives them the freedom to do that. And he he looks at them and gives them the respect that they need and the support that they need, the encouragement that they need. And again, that's vital. It's the essence of much of modern day business. It is all about people, isn't it? I mean, there's so many inspirational quotes that people put out on LinkedIn and you you almost get swamped with them. But a lot of the time it is about people. You know, the essence is right, albeit the medium's a little bit... Uh, sometimes a little bit crass, but the, the, the essence is right. Invest in the people, give the people time and space to grow. That the, the, the transition from a business owner to a manager or from a freelancer to a business owner to a manager is something that we've all gone through. And when you become a manager of people, it's difficult to let go sometimes. I found it challenging to start with. And I know that Dan internally, um, Dan, who's our technical director, is also going through that transition. He's having to manage people. And we all find it difficult not to micromanage because it's how it's how we manage ourselves. We want everything to be done in such a way. And you, you can't do that. You've got to let people breathe, haven't you? Absolutely. It's like having uh, your own children and you want your children to be exactly like you. And uh, you can't make them be exactly like you. What you've got to do is look at their skills and what they're good at and nurture that and that that's what happens in business. You've got to look at the people around you and say, well, we need to build a team to help us achieve what we want to achieve. And you've got to almost, I won't say cut them free and let them have their own head, but you've got to respect what they've got to do. And you can't force your ideas on people. I don't think you can. I think you've just got to let them get, get on with it. And if they're broadly fitting into the right direction, then they've just got to go for it let them go for it. I agree entirely. That's a good place to put a pin in that, actually. We've got probably about another 15 hours of chat in us, so I think we can, we can probably do that <laughs> we'll forever. We'll probably carry on after the, uh, the mics are turned off. Yeah, I would imagine so. It seems to be the way normally, doesn't it? But I think there's plenty in that episode for people to, to listen to and to take away. As a business owner, it's really valuable. And I just want to recap those three things that we've talked about for people out there who, who want to perhaps implement those into their workflow somehow. 
So the first thing we talked about was having a clear and a wide vision. So taking stock of everything around you and everything that's in the marketplace, everything that's outwardly affecting your business and really just pulling your head up from out of the sand a little bit sometimes. And that's that's really valuable. So that's the first thing that we mentioned. The second thing which complements that is to move outside of your comfort zone. So if you're sat there thinking, how can I generate more sales? How can I generate more impact in the marketplace? How can I grow my team? How can I grow my business? Whatever the challenges are, it probably starts with you moving out of your comfort zone and saying, well, look, I need to do something more. And it is, as we were saying, it is just a mindset a lot of the time. These aren't big physical challenges. It's just the internal courage to change subtleties within your own environment. And the third thing is be adaptable and keep moving. As you mentioned, Don, about the bicycle, you have to keep pedaling, otherwise you lose your balance and you just fall off. So that's really, really valuable. Be adaptable and just be aware of how you may need to make plans, but actually those plans can diversify, they can change, they can adapt, they can move and they can shift. But ultimately, you keep heading towards the same goal. So three things, really valuable advice, guys. If you really if you really find yourself struggling with any of those things, head on over to excellence-expected.com and dive into the show notes and dive into the comments where you can get involved with the rest of the community. Some really valuable feedback on there. Don, thank you very much, sir. Been a pleasure. I'll see you at work tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> hey, guys, Ryan Jenkins here, the Next Generation Catalyst podcast. Have you ever wondered what it's going to take to thrive in tomorrow's high-flux, high-tech, and multi-generational marketplace? Well, wonder no more, because we interview New York Times best-selling authors, successful entrepreneurs, and today's best thought leaders to equip you with the right leadership, communication, and marketing skills to thrive tomorrow. So head on over to nextgenerationcatalyst.com and click the podcast tab or simply search Next Generation Catalyst in iTunes to hear what all the noise is about. And now back to the show. Listen, guys, if you are on excellence-expected.com, don't forget you can get a copy of my free ebook, which is a template and a blueprint to allow you to gain back some of that time that we all lose through a lack of productivity. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to iTunes, please, and leave us a very positive review because I'm sure you have enjoyed this chat with Don as much as I have. Until next time, folks, remember, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel.